Today we're going to be talking about the bride of Christ. So Lord, I just thank you that our hearts are open, that our minds are receptive, that our spirits yearn for you and receive what you have to give us today. In Jesus' mighty name. So we're talking about the bride of Christ. We're talking about how is the bride of Christ loved and how does she love? So the message today is called Ballet Slippers and Combat Boots. Because as Christian believers, we are in a ballet and we are in a battle that Jesus has already won. Thank you, Lord. The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is our bridegroom. So why are we going to talk about this? Because as the bride, we have a very special purpose. We have a special, holy, important, sacred, powerful purpose. And once we understand that our entire walk here on this earth, as we understand that we are the bride of Christ, our whole walk on this earth takes an entirely new dimension. It takes on an entirely new meaning for us. Because what we the way we walk here, we are walking in a love relationship with Jesus, the chiefest among ten thousands. So we're going to go to Song of Solomon. I would actually encourage all of you to read that and read it as a love letter to you. Read it as the love relationship between you and Jesus. Because as his bride, you can take Song of Solomon, and you can see that as an example of the relationship that we have. So, Song of Solomon 5.10. This is the bride speaking, or the beloved speaking. My lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. Aramaic. My beloved is white and blood red and choice of 10,000. KJV, my beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. And then in Song of Solomon 5.16, in the NIV, his mouth is sweetness itself. Think about that. Isn't every single word that comes from the mouth of Jesus, every single word that you read in your Bible, isn't it precious? to you? Isn't it sweet to your soul? Isn't it lovely to your spirit? Isn't it encouraging and edifying and uplifting? He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So in Hebrew, the word chiefest, it says he is chief among 10,000. And that Hebrew word is degal, and it means up. It means up. So Christ, in the New Testament, Christ is chief. He is the preeminent one. He is the one to be lifted up in our lives, to be revered and feared and loved. Christ is chief. He is the most conspicuous things to our hearts, should be the most conspicuous to our gaze, the one who is lifted up like a banner in our lives, like a beacon to whom we look. So in in love language, in other words, he is the throb of my heart. Can't even compare with human uh, relationship. But he is the throb of my heart. He is the pulse of my life, this Jesus. He's the one on whom I set my sights. He's the one that is my focus. He's my inspiration. He's my affection. He's my 
reverence. He's my adoration. He is precious to me. And the great news is, is that you, each of you, is the throb of his heart. Each of you is the throb of his heart. The pulse for which he gave his life blood. He gave his life blood so that his life could pulse in your life. Think about that. The pulse, his pulse living in me. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus living in you, living in me, keeping you alive spiritually, helping you, teaching you, lifting you up. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can only bring you life. Hallelujah. So this is meant to be the love relationship of all love relationships. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about how we are loved by Jesus. How we are loved by Jesus. And we're going to look later in a little bit. We're going to look at Ephesians 5, 26 through 32 for what it really is. Yes, it is a picture of you know, a man and a woman, but it is the picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. It's a picture of how much Jesus loves us, how much he cares for us. And Jesus is the husband of the church. He is our bridegroom. There are some great scholars that disagree with me, actually, on this point, but I'm going to stick to what I've studied there are some that believe, and there are great scholars that believe the way I believe. But the word speaks for itself. There are some that say it's the new Jerusalem. But even in that, the new Jerusalem is going to be made of you all, saints and believers. So, Mark 2, I'm going to show you. We're going to go through scripture first, talking about proving that we are the bride of Christ as the church. Mark 2, Jesus himself calls himself the bridegroom when he's talking to the Pharisees about fasting. That's in Mark 2, 19. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom, so the guests would have been the disciples, you know, the believers, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. He's talking about himself there, Jesus. And he, he calls himself, in reference to the guests of the bridegroom, he's calling himself the bridegroom, right? Isaiah 54, 5, of course, this is Old Testament, speaking of Israel. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. So the Lord was the husband of Israel, right? Well, as believers, are you grafted in? Okay. So by implication, by reference, a parallel analogy in the New Testament, then believers become the bride of Christ, right? It's a parallel analogy. Believers currently are betrothed or engaged to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.2 I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ. Is that pretty clear? I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Okay, so that's Paul speaking to believers. Okay? Then, referring to the laws of marriage, 
Paul speaks in Romans 7, 3 through 4. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. Beloved, we don't want to have any idols because we don't want to be adulteresses. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, listen, listen closely, please. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another. Are you all following me? So, believers belong to Jesus, our husband, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. Do you get that picture? Do you understand that picture? All of this was pre-planned. All of this was accomplished so that we will bear fruit to God. We die to self, don't we? When we die to self, we are released from the law, right? Being saved. We, we're saved, right? We die to self. And who are we unto? Who are we unto? Come on. Yes, Christ. So we are betrothed to him, and he is the one over whom we rejoice. We become his helpmate. We become his helper. We become his partner. There's scripture, Hebrews 3.14 says that we are joined to the Messiah. Okay? Revelation 9, 7 through 9. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. We are making ourselves ready through the blood of Jesus. Okay, we are making ourselves ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Okay, so the fine linen. Let's look at that as the precious works of Jesus, the dying uh, of that the believers do unto Jesus. That's the fine linen, the precious acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, "Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb." And he added, these are the true words of God. Okay, so we're going to go to, does that help you understand that you are the bride of Christ? So we're going to go to Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the church is, in this, in this uh, scripture, the church is the wife by analogy. Look, look at what this is really saying. We're going to go through this. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the word, through the word, washing of water through the word, that's Jesus himself, the word, right? To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The word washes you, and that's how you are presented. That's how he presents you to himself, whether you believe it or not. What a beautiful picture your Jesus has of you. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, listen, listen. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But 
I am talking about Christ and the church. You cannot get any more clear than that. I am talking about Christ and the church, using something that we can relate to, but talking about Christ and the church. Is this, analo- is this an analogy of a husband and wife? Yes, it is. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So here, Paul says that he is talking about the church, Christ and us, right? So I want to go through a few relational, um, relational ideas relational truths that come forth out of this scripture as applied to us. Okay, did Christ love us and give himself for us? Okay? This is all right here in this passage. So he loves us. He gave himself for us. He has cleansed us with his word, right? Came in flesh, that's the word, didn't he? With himself. We are cleansed with himself, the word, because of what he did, because of what he sacrificed, because of the blood that he poured out. He presented us to him as radiant without stain or wrinkle or blemish. It says it right here in the scripture. That's how you are presented to your Jesus. He sees us as holy and blameless. Hallelujah. How many of you can see yourself that way? I'm not talking about seeing yourself in your mistakes. I'm not talking about seeing yourself in in your issues. I'm not talking about you seeing yourself in your sin. I am not talking about you seeing yourself when you just blew it and got really angry with somebody. I'm talking about the eternal you. How Jesus sees you and loves you, why he did what he did, so that this could happen. Hallelujah. He sees us as holy and blameless. He feeds us, he cares for us. It tells us right there in the scripture. He loves us as himself, imparting all of himself to us, one with him. There are plenty of scriptures, you know, go, go through the scripture and talk, see how many places it says that we are one with him. That's why he came, so that we could be one with him. He left his place in heaven with the Father. He left his Father. He left his place in heaven to be united with us. Think about that. He left pain-free living, peaceful loving, wonderful, beautiful, radiant, glorious to come here and be a man on this earth in flesh. He came, he left this place in heaven so that he could be with us and so that we could become one with him in the sight of God. He left his home in heaven. He left the glory of heaven to become flesh. We're going to get to that flesh point in a minute. And y'all might think I'm way out there, but I'm not. I just believe in all the greatness of God. I really do. I believe in the supernatural of God. I believe in the limitlessness of God. I believe that we are raised up into the spirit with the Lord. I believe that. So what I'm about to say in a little bit, you might think, well, I never thought about it that way. Well, maybe start thinking about it this way. Prove it to yourself. Go through the scripture. You don't even need to depend on me. Okay? No greater love could anyone have for us, for you, than what Jesus did. No greater love could anyone have. He poured himself out for us. He clothed us in his robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. You are, the right, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Scripture, right? He gave his blood 
to make us as white as snow. He gave his blood to cleanse you, to show you mercy. We are precious. You are precious in the sight of God. Isaiah 43, 4 says, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Okay, I understand that that's talking about Israel. But he loves the church as well, as much, in the same manner. Song of Solomon's four, Song of Solomon four, verses one and seven. So this is the lover to the loved. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. That's you. You're the beautiful one. Verse seven. All beautiful you are, my darling. All beautiful you are my darling, there is no flaw in you. How is that possible? Because we know ourselves. How is that possible? It is through the blood. It is through our accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is through the blood. Think of Think about marriage, okay? And I know this is just like a human example, and, and no way could it ever compare to the relationship that we have with Christ. But it's what we know on this earth, right? In, in, the, in the humanness of us. But think about on the wedding day. Okay, how many of you, when you go to a wedding, when the bride is about to walk down the aisle, how many of you watch the man? to see his response. Anybody? Just me? I'm the only one? I do it every time. I look at the man. And the minute that he sees that bride, he bursts into tears, he gets all excited, and he's shuffling around or whatever. But think about that, and then think about Jesus and his affection toward you. I mean, you can't really even compare, right? Hallelujah. But it's a good example, and it's how, you know, the earthly man sees the bride. Well, Jesus sees us in even a more glorious, grand, precious way. In the Aramaic, it says, Behold, you are beautiful, my intimate one. Behold, you are beautiful. Verse 7. You are entirely beautiful, my intimate one. And there is no defect in you. Can you all receive that from your Lord Jesus today? Can you receive that? We need to walk in this. This is how Jesus sees us. This is how we are loved So you've all heard that um, sonnet, I'm sure, by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and it says, uh, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Have you all heard that? Okay. It says, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Well, we can try to count the ways, but we can never count all the ways that Jesus loves us. We can never count the magnanimity with which he loves us. We can never count the depth of the affection with which he loves us. He poured out his life. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death, and no, 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 don't think that the worship team knew my message today. They did not. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that our worship team listens to the Holy Spirit. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will never allow anything to separate you from his love. It says here, no angels or demons. So when you, not you personally, but when a person is moved upon by a demon, it cannot stop the love of God. Does he like sin? Does he approve of sin? No. No. But we have a way back to Jesus by his love. Hallelujah. Jesus loves us as his own body. And we need to think about this. Here's the part that you can agree with me or disagree with me. You, you go study it in the word. But I believe we really need to think very seriously about the fact that he loves us as his own body. All right? I'm going to read you some scripture. We just read in Ephesians just a few minutes ago how we become one flesh, the, the marriage, one flesh. Uh, so I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be flushing that out. One flesh. Genesis 2.20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam... No suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. From bone of his bone, we're talking about bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The man, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. As believers, where is your Genesis? Where's your Genesis? From where do you come forth as believers? Christ and Christ alone. Christ and Christ alone. Verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I'm going to suggest to you today that this is a description of our love relationship with Jesus. As believers who are betrothed to Jesus, as Eve was given, given to Adam, being prepared, we are as the spotless bride. Just as our Father made Eve, the suitable helper for Adam, right? Was Eve the suitable helper for Adam? Yeah. Yes. Those of us who have accepted Jesus' blood sacrifice, who have then been united with him, united with Jesus, united with Christ, because how did that happen? He left his home with the Father. Did he not? Is that the example we have here in Genesis 2? Is that what it tells us to do? He left his home with the Father. He came in flesh. He left his dwelling place, and he invites us into his arms, into relationship with him to offer himself for us to request 
your union, my union with him. It is a request that's been given to every human being, an offering. And we now have become his suitable helpmates, or helpmeets, however you want to call it. The scripture very clearly tells us that we are partakers in Christ. It tells us that we are his ambassadors. So as Jesus, was Jesus the word made flesh? Yes, Jesus was the word made flesh. So as we partake and move in that word, right? In that word, we walk in the word, by the Holy Spirit, we are united, we are joined to him, and I say, by the word, you become flesh of his flesh. What are y'all thinking? I think it's pretty clear. And I'll almost guarantee, almost, that there are people listening and saying, that's too much. Too, you've, you've gone too far. No, I haven't. The word is his, he came. Scripture tells us, the word became flesh. As we partake in the word, we become flesh of his flesh. We are his bride. We are his beloved. We partake of and move in his word. We are united with him. We are joined to him. We become flesh of his flesh, word of his word. To the extent that you yield, that I yield, to the extent that we lay ourselves down, to the extent that we incorporate the word, that we walk in the word. Remember last week we were talking about if we live by the spirit, we got we to walk by the spirit, right? The spirit always reveals the word. So to that extent, we are flesh of his flesh. He has designed it that way. He left his Father in heaven to give us the opportunity to be joined with him, to be one with him, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. Are you all getting it? Do you think that's a great mystery? It's a great mystery, but it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place to be as believers. So how do we love him? Let's move on. We love him the same way that he loves us. We give our lives to him as he gave his life to us and for us, right? That's our goal. We want to give our lives unto Jesus. We don't want to let anything at all come between us. No temptation, no temptation to be more attractive to us than he is to us. No trial that we go through that would cause us to question his faithfulness. My God is faithful no matter what. My God is faithful. I'm not going to allow a trial to cause me to question the veracity of his word, the veracity of his love for me. Hallelujah. No lie of the devil will cause me to question his truth. No lie of the devil. I'm not going to question his truth no matter what. I will not question his heart for me. I will not question his integrity toward me. I will not question his care for me. I will not question his protection over me. I will not question him. And conversely, no victory is going to, no victory that I receive is going to cause me to get my eyes off of him. No victory is going to cause me to look at myself. Because where does every good gift really come from? Yeah. He's the giver of every good gift. And I'm going to remember that well. 
So our gaze and our affection belong to him. Song of Solomon 2, 3, and 4. This is the beloved, the bride, speaking. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade under the shadow of his wing. Go to Psalm 91. Under the shadow of his wing. Don't you delight to sit in his shade? And his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall. Beloved, (sighs) he spreads the banquet before you. Psalm 23. And his banner over me is love. Thank you, Lord. His banner over you is love. So, who are we as his bride? That's what we're going to look at next. Who are we as his bride? And this is where I'm going to look. We're going to look together. So, all you men in here, don't think I'm getting too flowery. Maybe there are some women who are real practical and they don't like flowery things either. (laughs) But bear with me because I really do believe that the Lord has spoken this picture, this vision to me, okay? So we are going to now look at the ballet and we are going to look at the battle. So who who we are as the bride of Christ, um, our, our function. So the, the ballet. First we're going to talk about the ballet. We are currently betrothed and will be married to the Lamb at the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? While the tribulation is going on down here for seven years, we get to be in the banquet hall. We get to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. So, our earthly walk is to be our dance of love, our ballet unto Christ. You see, we always walking in this earth, we want to express beauty unto the Lord. We want to express our joy. And and think about a, a wedding ceremony, oftentimes is there song, is there song of joy, is there dancing, expression, you know, jubilation, you know, ballet and dance and and music and, and song unto, you know, celebrating the banquet, celebrating the marriage is what I'm saying. Does it, am I making sense? Am I being clear? Okay. So our life is that celebration. That's your life. Your life is that celebration. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Our earthly walk is our expression of loving him above all else. That's, that's our life's walk. We are committed to him in all we do or say. We are forsaking all others. We forsake all others. We keep him, our husband, before our eyes at all times. He is the chiefest among 10,000. He is our vision. He's the vision of our eyes, the vision of our soul, the vision of our spirits. All we do, we do to please him, to honor him, to show our love for him, just to love him, and not out of obligation, out of an expression of this is my love. Jesus, you are my love. Jesus said that he came to do the will of the Father, right? And so that's our stance. I do all to do your will, to please you. So we dance before him, presenting our lives to him every day, every day, 
We dance before him, presenting our lives to him. And our lives are a swan song. I'm going to explain this. Our lives are a swan song unto him. This beautiful ballet of our hearts danced unto him. So what is a swan song? Do do y'all know what a swan song is? It's a final performance. It's the final performance or, or work or act of, uh, of an artist, of a, a poet, of an actor, of a singer, of a composer, and on and on like that. And according to tradition, swans sing their most beautiful song right before their deaths the most beautiful song of all their lives they sing right before their death. So I'm suggesting today that as we die to self, as we lay our lives before Christ, as we put ourselves in his hands, loving hands, lay ourselves at his feet, we are this beautiful swan song. You, become the, you are this beautiful ballet. Your life is totally transformed into this beautiful artistry unto the Lord. Your life, as you lay it down, is that beautiful dance, that beautiful swan song to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And our lives, as we lay them down, become so beautiful, we can't even imagine. You can't even imagine how you delight his heart, how you delight the heart of your precious Lord. You can't even imagine that. The beauty of our song and our dance is released unto him as we, as a sweet aroma, as we die to self, right? Right? just as he did for us. And this is especially, this becomes, I don't know how to say the word, but this becomes uh, even greater when we as a church collectively do this. When we are united in this. When we are one in thought and mind. So when when, when, when we collectively do this, we become the bride collective, so to speak. You see what I'm saying? We are presented together in perfect unison, in perfect harmony to Jesus. I love thinking about this stuff. Okay, so that's the ballet part the song, the dance part. Then there's this battle part. There's the battle part. So once the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, we are married to the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. We are the lion in battle. We are going to come back and reign victoriously in the millennial reign, reigning with Christ. But we are also called to do that in this life because of everything he's already won for us. We are called to battle. The church must have combat boots. We must be both. We must wear the ballet slippers and we must wear the combat boots. And he will give us discerning spirits, wisdom and understanding and knowledge to know when each is appropriate. Because on this earth today, we are his battle partners. We are clothed in his armor. I'm not going to go through all the armor. We'd be here all day. We are clothed in his armor to enforce his victory. What he has already accomplished. You are the enforcers. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 19 and 21. 
The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That the creation, it's, oh listen, this is why, this is why uh, you get to, you know, allow him to work through you. This is his purpose. This is what you get to be a part of. To be revealed that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. There is a glorious freedom that you get to bring to an enslaved world. Hallelujah. This is our mission accomplished, so to speak. So, of course, you know, this scripture refers to the ultimate unveiling, right? Okay, of course it refers to that. But as we, you know, everything in scripture is given for our edification and our learning and our encouragement and, and our strengthening and building. And But as so, as we walk... On this earth, we are the sons and daughters of Father God who manifest his presence. As you stay yielded to Holy Spirit, as you stay laid down to your Jesus, he will manifest himself through you to a world in need. You become the manifestation of his presence here. Hallelujah. In, in real time, right today. And so as we yield to Holy Spirit, we reveal, we reveal, remember that word reveal? We reveal his battle plan, his word, his purposes, his plans. And we enforce that because it is our pleasure to do his will. Because we are the word, also in flesh. So we are boots on the ground. You are boots on the ground. You are the flesh of the word. You are what he uses here today. <laughs> right? You are what he uses here today. So all of this, our love relationship with Jesus has accomplished. That's what the love relationship accomplishes in your life and in the lives of others. It is our love relationship with Jesus and his, as his betrothed bride, that's you, that we both dance his ballet and when enforce the battle, enforce the victory of the battle. You get that? I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. You are doing his ballet and you are doing his combat. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, we all look forward to that, don't we? The imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things behind me, childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Do you know he knows you fully and loves you fully? Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So we're going to look at this scripture and at what our love relationship with Jesus accomplishes. Because by the Holy Spirit, working inside of every believer, 
we walk in this love relationship with Jesus and we get to love like Christ loved. We get to be his extension. You get to be the extension of Christ. That's you. That's me. As we love, it tells us right here in this scripture, the imperfect becomes perfect. As we love, the poor reflection becomes sharp. As we love, we see face to face. As we love, the childish becomes mature. As we love, our knowing in part becomes knowing in full. As we love, our dance is perfected and our victory is secure. We bring his kingdom come on this earth. As we love, we are both his ballet and his combat boots. We are both. As the bride of Christ, we will be, listen, the bride who worships and adores and honors and fears and reveres our Lord, who unashamedly, with joy and victory, dances in his presence and sings songs of love and adoration unto him. The bride who is pure and holy and spotless and blameless and who moves in strength. That's you today. The bride who does his bidding. The bride who goes to the marketplace and brings the prophet. What is the prophet? Saved souls, discipled people. You go to the marketplace and you bring the prophet. Go read Proverbs 31. The bride who walks in his power, his authority, his dominion, his glory in the here and now. I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The bride who has wisdom and understanding, discernment, to apply the word. The bride who has been, listen, listen, the bride who has been embellished with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have been embellished with the gifts, we're going to get to that in a couple weeks probably, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that then you gift those very things back unto your Lord to accomplish his plans and purposes. He has designed you to walk in those gifts to gift him back with his will and his way on this earth, to manifest his word and his will, the manifestation of his presence in the here and now. So, beloved, that's what the Lord had me share with you today. I, I hope that that was understandable. I hope 